Hello. Welcome to the myths and history of Greece and Rome. Chapter 65. Uncle Claudius. When Cassius and his fellow conspirators killed Caligula, they wanted to make sure that nobody closely related to him would survive, so they killed his wife and son. Nearly all of the Julio-Claudians were dead. There were just four left. Caligula's sister Agrippina and her son were in exile, and only Caligula's uncle Claudius was in Rome, and he was not highly thought of. Claudius had a daughter from an earlier marriage called Claudia Antonia. She was about 11 years old. Cassius's plan was to kill Claudius as well, just to make sure there were no surviving adult Julio-Claudians left to get in the way. But it didn't happen. The Praetorian Guard hadn't known what the plan was, and they were worried the Empire had no leader. Tradition says that when they found Claudius in the palace he was trying to hide and was about to beg them not to kill him. When they saw him, they didn't kill him. On the 25th of January, 41 AD, they proclaimed 49-year-old Claudius Emperor of Rome. Claudius never forgot that his power stemmed from this action by the Praetorian Guard. On becoming Emperor, he gave every soldier in the Guard a donative, effectively a gift, of 15,000 sesterces. This served to ensure their complete loyalty to him and to him alone. But Claudius had always been seen as an embarrassment by his family, especially his mother Antonia. They kept him away from the public, and Claudius had spent his time reading books and writing histories. His grandmother Livia thought he was a pain because he wrote a history of the family that she didn't think portrayed them in a good enough light. Probably it was too accurate. The emperor Tiberius thought he was an idiot and refused to give him any important jobs while he was emperor, although Claudius asked to be given the chance to climb the cursus honorum. Caligula thought he was an idiot too, but found him useful. He allowed Claudius to become his co-consul in 37, but at the same time he continually teased his poor uncle and came up with a number of schemes to extort Claudius's money. Claudius, though, was not an idiot at all. He was a very intelligent and very knowledgeable man. He must have had quite a keen survival instinct too. After all, he was still alive when his entire family had died or been poisoned or stabbed quite often by each other. Claudius had somehow survived while all this was going on and now found himself, amazingly, wonderfully, the ruler of the civilised world. He set about taking on his new responsibility wisely and well. Claudius quickly showed himself to be a diligent, fair and consistent ruler. He would sit in judgment at criminal trials and the people and senate were impressed he always gave good adjudications that seemed reasoned and careful. Claudius was a sensible man and like Augustus and Tiberius before him didn't immediately take many of the titles which were offered to him. Like them, he preferred to be known as princeps. Still, the senate was wary of their new ruler. After all, the reigns of both Tiberius and Caligula began with liberty and leniency and both turned sour resulting in the execution of many senators. It took a while for them to believe in him, but eventually they came to realise that Claudius's positive rule was also consistent. In general, they came to trust and respect him. This doesn't imply there was no resistance or treachery. Despite the benevolence of his time in office, some 35 senators were executed for treason during Claudius's reign. Claudius ruled through a number of advisers who were freedmen rather than senators. Narcissus, Callistus, Pallas and Polybius acted as his eyes, ears, mouth and sometimes as his brains. They managed to replenish the imperial treasury which Claudius's mad nephew had drained. For a while, everything was rosy in the Garden of Rome.
As Claudius continued to rule well, the people slowly became less afraid than they had been during the reigns of his two predecessors. Claudius was the first of Augustus's successors to have a vision for the empire. He fundamentally disagreed with his illustrious predecessor about Roman expansion. He also realised that some of the client kingdoms were more trouble than they were worth, and that direct Roman rule would be more secure and safer for Rome. Mauritania was brought into the empire proper, and two provinces were created from it. Judea became a proper province once more. Lycia and Pamphylia were annexed and turned into provinces, as was Thrace. All of these military successes, although ordered by Claudius, were delivered by his generals. Because of his disabilities and the shame his family felt for him, Claudius had never had a military career and certainly had never been in a battle leading an army. His uncle Tiberius had successfully commanded many armies while Augustus was growing the empire. His brother, Germanicus, had been a great general. Even his nephew Caligula had managed to be in charge of a couple of fights, but Claudius had no experience at all. He realised the people and the army would not see him as a great emperor unless he had some military success. He looked around the edges of his empire and decided there was only one place that was ripe for Roman conquest, so he set off with a large army to invade the island of Britannia. Claudius and his forces reached the ocean on the coast of Gaul. Under the command of Aeolus Plautius Silvanus, the army crossed the small body of water now known as the English Channel. The first battle took place near the modern city of Rochester on the River Medway. After two days, the Romans had driven the Britons back and over the River Thames. The Romans pursued the defeated Britons across the river and many of the enemy were lost in the marshes of Essex. The Britons were led by two kings, Caraticus and his brother Togadumnus. Together they led the initial defence of the country, but Togadumnus was killed soon after the Battle of the Thames. After the Romans had taken the southeast of Britannia, Caraticus continued to lead the Britons in those parts of the island which had not yet fallen. He carried on fighting against the legions. Once Plautius had subdued the southeastern Britons, Claudius himself crossed the channel and came to Britain to receive the surrender of eleven local kings. Under the general Vespasian, the Romans pushed further west. Caraticus led the resistance. Sadly for the Britons, Caraticus was defeated in 47 AD and was handed over to the Romans in chains by the Queen of the Brigantes, who was friendly with Rome. Caraticus was shipped back to the Eternal City as a prisoner. The Romans would never manage to conquer the whole island. The northern part, called Caledonia, now known as Scotland, would never be completely taken. Eighty years after Claudius's successful invasion, the Emperor Hadrian would decide that trying to again to defeat Scotland was completely pointless and build a wall to define the border and manage traffic between the Roman province and the unconquered north. Another 80 years later, the Emperor Septimius Severus would decide that killing all the Caledonians was an even better idea. But that is for much later. Claudius returned to Rome and celebrated a great triumph. He led the prisoners captured in Britannia and paraded them through the city. Caraticus was among them. After the triumph, the British king was allowed to speak to the Senate, who were considering having him executed. His brave speech impressed the senators so much, they let him live his life in peaceful retirement. The emperor named his son Britannicus in honour of this great victory. The young man became friendly with the general Vespasian's son Titus. Claudius was now a considerably more popular emperor than either of his immediate two predecessors. The empire thrived under Claudius. 
He built more great roads and aqueducts, and he had a new harbour built at the port of Ostia. Trade increased, and the empire grew wealthier. The water supply to Rome was improved, and the citizens prospered. A census was carried out that showed the population of the empire had, cr- had increased by over a million people since the time of Augustus. Claudius refused to see the empire of Rome as something run and owned by Italians. He increased the power and prestige of non-Italian Roman citizens. Previously, almost every member of the Senate had been from Rome, Italy or the very Romanized area of southern Gaul. Claudius introduced men from the outer parts of Gaul into the Senate. This was not only an attempt to improve the prospects of provincial Romans, it also allowed Claudius to put men loyal to him in the Senate. These men owed their positions to the emperor and so were far less likely to conspire against him. So, Claudius was proving to be a very successful emperor. The only part of his life that didn't go so well was his married life. Poor Claudius really didn't have very much luck with his wives. He was engaged twice before he got married. One engagement ended because his future wife was not thought suitable and the other because the woman he was about to marry died on the wedding day. Claudius finally managed to marry Plautia Ergulinilla but he had to divorce her after she was suspected of killing her sister-in-law. He then married Aelia Paetina, a relative of Tiberius's friend Sejanus. During their marriage, Claudius and Paetina had a daughter. He later divorced her after the marriage became a problem when Tiberius had Sejanus killed. It's never a good idea to be married to a relative of someone who has been executed for treason. A little before becoming emperor, Claudius married Valeria Messalina. Two children were born as a result of this marriage. Claudia Octavia was born in 39 and her younger brother in 41. After the conquest of Britannia, the boy was given the name by which he is now known, Britannicus. Unfortunately for poor Claudius, Messalina made Julia the Elder look like a nun. Her affairs were numerous and very public. Just as with Julia and her father, Messalina's activities were kept from her husband. He was the last to know. There was clearly no way the emperor would not find out eventually. The last in Messalina's long line of lovers was Gaius Celius, son of a famous general. In 48, while the emperor was away, the pair decided it was time for a coup. Maybe the aim was to place the now seven-year-old Britannicus on the, thr- on the throne. Claudius learned of the plot, but failed to act decisively. I think we f- can forgive the emperor for this. He was very fond of his wife, and was almost certainly devastated when he found out what she had been doing. Narcissus, though, acted quickly. One of Claudius's freedmen advisers, Narcissus had only the emperor's interests at heart. Silius was arrested and quickly executed. Messalina was driven to suicide. It is highly likely that Claudius himself wouldn't have been able to bring himself to have his wife killed. Narcissus had no such qualms. After Messalina died, it was thought to be important for Claudius to take another wife. It just wouldn't do to have an unmarried emperor. The freedmen advisers suggested many names, and each seemed to support a different candidate. Pallas favoured Caligula's sister, and therefore Claudius's niece, Agrippina the Younger. Another suggested Caligula's third wife, Lollia Paulina, while a third candidate was one of Claudius's former wives, Aelia Paetina. In the end, the decision was made that Claudius should marry Agrippina. As it turned out, it was a terrible decision, but she was apparently very attractive. Her feminine charms won the day. It was an immoral marriage as far as Roman society was concerned. Marrying your niece was just not acceptable. 
Claudius managed to persuade the Senate the marriage was necessary for political reasons and it was allowed. Agrippina and her son were the only remaining members of the imperial family except for Claudius and his children. Agrippina, like Livia fifty years earlier, was fiercely ambitious for her child. She wanted her own son to become emperor rather than Claudius's son, Britannicus. Slowly, carefully and slyly, she began to persuade Claudius to adopt him. The boy was called Domitius and he was three years older than Britannicus. Gradually Claudius gave in and in the end he named Domitius and Britannicus as joint heirs. On his death they would rule the empire together. Agrippina was keen that this should happen as soon as possible. There was no love between her and her husband, it was a purely political marriage. Agrippina wanted to make as much as she could from the union and having her son on the throne was a sufficient prize. She was also granted the title Augusta. This was unprecedented, only Livia had received the title in the past. Domitius was betrothed to Claudius's daughter Octavia, making the ties even stronger and enhancing the boy's claim to the throne. Still though, unfortunately for poor old Claudius, Agrippina was rather too keen that her son would inherit as soon as possible. Before long, Claudius became very unhappy with his wife and was often heard to complain that he didn't seem to have much luck with his marriages. He must have been a master of understatement. He had finally given in and adopted Domitius and named him as his co-successor, but he was having second thoughts. He was starting to wonder whether perhaps he should make Britannicus his only heir. Agrippina was not going to let this happen, and on the 13th of October 54 AD, Claudius died after being poisoned. There was not too much doubt about who had organised the murder. We will never be certain that Agrippina arranged her husband's death, but this time the weight of probability leans in this direction. Unlike Livia, who was almost certainly innocent of the murders of various members of the Julio-Claudian family, Agrippina was probably guilty of offing her husband by feeding him poisoned mushrooms. So, although Claudius hadn't had much luck with his previous wives, at least they hadn't had him killed. Claudius was 63 years old when he died. He had ruled wisely and well for 13 years, and he left the empire a better place than he found it. Claudius's great achievement was the conquest of Britannia. Many cities on that remote island were founded soon after the invasion, including one small trading centre named Londinium. This was to become one of the world's great cities under the name we now know it, London. Next time, we'll find out whether Domitius or Britannicus or both eventually become the heirs to Claudius. But here's a small clue. When Domitius was adopted by Claudius, he changed his name to Nero. So, until then, have a great couple of weeks and I'll speak to you next time.